0: Julie Ryan. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Ask Julie Ryan Show. I'm Julie, your host, and I'm so delighted you could join us this week. My intention in doing this show is to provide information, insight, and comfort to people all over the world by helping to answer life's unanswerable questions. And oh, do I have a treat for you this week, you guys. I have celebrity chef Missy Will with us. And I asked her to come on because I think it's fun to talk to people. From different industries about how they incorporate their intuition and spirit and guidance within their normal lives, you know, not only their jobs, but also their lives. And I think as you get to know Missy, Chef Missy, as we like to call her, you will just love her as much as I do. And you'll, and I think you'll find it interesting how she does incorporate spirit into her everyday world. So Missy, Chef Missy, welcome. Welcome. Oh, hello. Thank you. So happy to be here. And hello to all your listeners. Well, if people will be watching on YouTube, is you you too. On YouTube, you too can watch on YouTube.
1: You too can watch on YouTube. So your viewers also. Hello. Hello. I know. I know.
0: Easy for me to say, right? <laughs> oh gosh. Let me tell you about Chef Missy and then we'll get into our conversation. I, I have some fun questions that I've put together, but you know, typical me, we're just gonna go wherever it flows. And uh, so we'll take it from there. Okay. Chef Missy Will has several years experience in event planning for corporate clients and private events. She was a winery chef and events director at Woodhouse Family Cellars, director of operations at Sizzle Works Cooking School, and culinary director at Villa Cucina Culinary Center. Did I say Cucina right? You did. Oh so proud. During this time, she also catered for several area wineries during their new releases and client events. Chef Missy has earned certificates in wine education, wine business management, and culinary arts from Sonoma State University, Wine and Spirit Education Trust, and Laguna Culinary Arts. She's also served on the board of directors for the Seattle Wine Society and Woodenville Wine Country, and she's a member of the American Institute of Food and Wine, Women Chefs and Restaurateurs Association, Washington Wine Commission, and Napa Sonoma Women for Wine Sense. And... Missy's the co-host of a weekly Napa Valley radio show called The Farm and Food Shed Report, heard on KWMR. So that's a mouthful. That's a, that's a lot of a pedigree for a chef, girl. But I guess, you know, chefs do have pedigrees, too. Like you'll see professors and they'll have 15 uh, you know, letters after their name.
1: And you just like, oh, you my find God, you, that's your niche. you you find your niche and I'm more business oriented. So that's sort of how I fell into a lot of those areas.
0: I think in the country, when I think of food, I think of San Francisco and that whole wine country area up there. I think of New Orleans and I think of New York. Those seem to be the three areas in my non-chef mind mm-hmm. where the food is just extraordinary. What do you think about that? Are there areas in the U.S. and then also abroad? If you had to name the top five food areas, what would they be?
1: Well, Seattle would be not, uh, uh, one, Uh, Seattle has amazing restaurants they have. And out of the state of Washington, due to their latitude and longitude, their weather and all of that, have amazing wines. So you can never and you know what grows together, goes together. So you have fabulous wine. You eat that same food from their their earth. And then, of course, New York is always going to be on the, the creme de la creme. No doubt about that. Um, I think they're stronger in food than they are in wine, but there are some wonderful uh wineries in that area too um, San Francisco you know it's the best of the best um and then so sort of they have all the surrounding wine areas that they can you know work with so a lot of the restaurants there do uh pair the wine and the food on many, many sheets. Um, and then there's also a little area. The little area that I live in is Petaluma, Windy Wine Gap. It's windy always, but that helps because of the wind and the fog. I'm near the coast. That lets the uh, the grapes cool off quicker, and they can stay on the vine longer, and they have more flavor. And now people are driving from San Francisco and Napa to eat in Petaluma it's just amazing tell everybody where Petaluma is well Petaluma is 45 minutes north of San Francisco and it's if anyone knows where the 101 freeway is uh it's right off of there it's on the west side so it's really between the 101 freeway and the ocean OK, and it's just uh, uh, it's windy and it's foggy. Well, like San Francisco, I mean, you know, when you're sitting ar- around the bay at any of the restaurants, sometimes you can't even see the Golden Gate Bridge because the fog rolls in.
0: Right. Back in the day, I went to games in Candlestick Park in, in the <laughs> Bay area. <laughs> it was August and I had a winter jacket on because it got so cold And I was I, thinking, "Whoa, what's up with that? But yeah, that's very much the case. Those are the American cities. Certainly the cities abroad that I would think of would be Paris would be my first one because of the French wines.
1: Right. And right. then
0: and then where else? Italy, I'm sure. Italy. Has, yeah.
1: uh, another area because I've entertained and I was a corporate wife for 25 years. So I did a lot of entertaining and we did a lot of international travel. And so I think I did entertaining in nine different countries but another area is in the uk they they have uh all sorts of different uh restaurants and food and it was amazing so uk is is one one that i would put on that list spain is another one especially around the coast the coastal areas Uh, you've got amazing fresh fish and, and farms and, and wineries, the Rioja wines and sherry too. People don't drink enough sherry. Uh, Let's see. And the other place that I, I love their cuisine is Hawaii. Do they grow wine in Hawaii? Well, Do they grow wine? Do they
0: grow grapes? They actually
1: make, well, yeah, I I knew what you meant. They actually make some wine out of pineapple and they do have a couple wineries. It's a little on the um, sweeter side. So it's, it's not, you know, they're, they're not going to go in history right now for that, but that, you know, they, and that, you know, there, you know, they have the Maui Wowie. (laughs) You, you know, you do the cannabis there. Of course, you do the cannabis in Northern California. And that's another thing is the cannabis and the wine, the vineyards really are at war sometimes. So it's it's been a very interesting dilemma out here. They're at war for this, for the land, you mean, because Not they grow the well land. in the same climate? Not just the land, but, but they could be right next to each other. But the, wine, the vineyard managers or winery owners... Um, they don't want the smell coming across into their vines. That makes and sense. There's this, and in the water and water's a real issue up here right now, too. So it's been a really interesting. I never knew there was so much cannabis around. So uh, but that that's really been interesting to read and listen to uh, the information about, well, you shouldn't do this. And, you know, there should be so many yards between this and so it's 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 been interesting
0: I think as a lay person not in that business that you're in at all I always think of Europe for wines but certainly Australia has in Germany too Germany wines are wonderful as well but how about the east eastern countries do they have like in the Asian countries do they make wines they make their
1: their liqueur that they make is made out of rice more so correct that's sake that's um and china is making a lot of wines we send a lot of wines to china but we also receive wines from china and so china is they're really serious i mean it's 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 a business and they're just like it's intense so they're coming out. Another area that has really, really good wines and olive oils is um, uh, New Zealand. Out, you know, when you when you fly into Auckland, then you can take the different ferries to the different islands. And each island has different wines, uh, different uh, olive oils, and uh, they have fabulous champagnes. They make really good bubbly in New Zealand. Huh. Interesting. Interesting. Well, I've heard you say that you
0: cook with your soul and treat every kitchen you work in as your sacred space.
1: Can you please explain that to us? What does that mean to you? Um, oh gosh, you'll get me going. Um, what I do comes from my soul. I mean, it's just something comes through me and it's like, I step aside and it does what it it does. And so if I, if I make something and pair wine with it, and you really love it, (laughs) you need to enjoy it because it might not ever happen again because I hear add this or do this or don't do that. And it's, and I always, you know, um, gosh, I haven't really shared this. I pray about what I do. I mean, it's, it comes from God. Um, It's mother earth. Uh, I bless what I'm cooking with. I never cook in a kitchen with anger. I will not. Um, and But I, when I'm shopping, I, I buy the foods that speak to me, that um, I, and I bless the farmers that grew it, the ones that picked it, the ones, the drivers that transported it to wherever it is. And, um, you know, and in the ingredients, you know, I just, it's a meditative thing for me. And it's just, it's, it's what I'm here to do. So what you're doing is when
0: you're getting ideas, add this, do that, this kitchen doesn't feel right. What you're doing is you're connected to spirit and you're channeling my girl (laughs) is what you're doing, whether you knew that or not. And we all channel every inventor, every songwriter, every actor every chef, everybody that does anything creative is all channeling, no ideas are original. And I, and I have patents and trademarks. So, you know, the government thinks my ideas are original, but I know they're not. I didn't at the time, but I do now. So, all those ideas that come in, and that's why I would imagine if something turns out really good, it would be a good idea for you to maybe just record it on your phone and say, okay, I've added four tablespoons of this and 16 ounces of that. and, And then you've got new recipes to do that. But do you find that? when you get ideas about things, do you ever get chill bumps or ever get goosebumps with
1: something? I get a little lightheaded. I think I, Interesting. it's, yeah, It it's, it's, it's like I'm connected like above or something. And then all of a sudden somebody shows up or the ingredient will show up or, uh, it's just, I'm truly divinely guided. and and when I used, and it was funny when this first started, when I was doing like really large groups, I did a lot of work with the Microsoft uh, people. And when I would do really large groups, it would even be stronger. And so when people would arrive and I would be, when we'd do the corporate team building and they would arrive and I would be introducing the different chef instructors and what we're going to have. And then here, these are my staff, and I couldn't even remember their names. I mean, I, you know, and then they, and then I'd look over, and they, after a couple of times, they knew they'd say, I'm such and such, I'm such and such. I'm like, and that's the team.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: That's because you're in and out of different realities.
0: You're in the spirit reality, which means your vibration level is really high. And then you're coming back to your human reality. When I'm scanning somebody, I do the same thing. And I'll tell people, I don't remember what I see if I'm doing a medical scan. I remember you. I remember details about you, like your family and where you live and stuff like that a lot of the time. But I'm not going to remember necessarily what I saw in a medical scan and it sounds to me like you're that's exactly what's going on with you.
1: Exactly. I mean I'm I'm it's like the lights on but nobody's home. <laughs>
0: Well, actually you are, but your brain's in a different reality. So right. when we process information from a different reality into this reality, we're using parts of our brain that we've developed. And, you know, everybody comes in with this ability. It's just um, it's just learning how to do it and then enhancing what you learn once you develop it. But then what I find for me, and see if this makes sense for you, is... I just don't remember it because it's not getting logged in the human part of my memory. If you tell me what we talked about, I can go back and I can access it. It's kind of like it's in the ethers and I can access it, but I don't remember it, which is really beneficial with HIPAA because I can't disclose something that's confidential because I honest God just don't remember it. Sure. For, you, for you, I would think that when you're inventing recipes and things like that, what's your procedure that you do how do you figure out a way to replicate that when it's coming in if you're in and out of different realities and I'm really glad you're not setting the kitchen on fire while you're doing that
1: yeah <laughs> well for the private chefing it uh I can never like I say I I don't think about recording it. And the people that I have assist me are, you know, when you're in someone else's kitchen and you're responsible for that experience, um, you're, you're doing three to five things at once. And so I could never record or write down or anything like that because I'm someplace else. And I could even have all the ingredients ready and something says, no, don't do that shift over to something else and I'll do that too. I won't vary too far. If, if I'm making something food, if I've gone into the client's cellar and I brought out certain wines and we have to have food that go with those wines, then that's one thing. But the rest of the time I, you know, I just, I can't do it. But when on large events in the commercial kitchen, I have uh, chefs that are assigned to certain uh dishes and recipes sure. and things like that so they do that but what came up for me when you were saying that is I don't remember a lot about the process but I can tell you what's on everybody's plate when they bring it back or when they when the plate comes in I can tell you who ate what and who didn't Normally, I get empty plates, and that's what I want to see. Oh, interesting! I never thought of that part, but oh, that makes yeah. so much sense. Yeah, it's like I would, I would. Proof is so, in the pudding. I would be so disappointed if a plate—it's never happened, God forbid—if a plate came back and somebody didn't eat it, or you know, I mean, I would want to know why. Yeah. Interesting. Oh, gosh. Well, did you grow up in a family of chefs? Tell us
0: about your childhood.
1: No, not at all. I grew up in Newport Beach, California. My father was a doctor and uh, my mother was in the restaurant business. They they would uh, buy restaurants and manage them, Um, spent a lot of time at the Babel Bay Club. And uh, just so I was always around food and, and the finer side of food and uh it what and then when then when I got married and doing all the corporate wife you know I was managing and organizing the the golf tournaments the tennis tournaments and all that and then also the restaurants um and all the receptions and dinners and things like that so you start sort of learning and then my uh mom was I didn't know she was going to pass away, but she had gone to the doctor and and the doctor gave her, you know, two or three weeks and she actually died three weeks of the day. And during that time, she said to me, you need to follow your heart. And I thought, okay. And then all of a sudden she passed. And when I was living in San Clemente and looking at the sunset, one of the evenings, it just came up for me. I need to go take a cooking class. And I went took a cooking class on chocolate soufflés, if you will. I hadn't mastered that. And I met the gal at the school and she had just quit her corporate job in San Francisco, moved to Laguna Beach, opened Laguna Culinary Arts, just started doing cooking classes. And I took one. And from there, we started the professional chef program.
0: Wow. And
1: that's how it all started.
0: Chocolate souffles—that you know—that just doesn't get any better than that.
1: Oh well, vanilla's good too.
0: Vanilla's good too, but what kind of sauce did you put on it? Did you put Vanilla a hard sauce? sauce? Yeah.
1: Well, or raspberry. You know,
0: yeah.
1: not everybody wants a sauce, but you. So know, that sometimes, because a souffle waits for no one, right? So you have to serve it and then because um, sometimes they say no, they don't want it or yes, they do. And then you serve it and they're like, oh, well. And so I, what I did was and I served it uh, with the the sauce on the side and let them kind of open it and have that experience because, you know, you got it. Timing is everything.
0: <laughs> well, you talk about chocolate souffles. When I lived in L.A., we used to go to Chasen's, the famous restaurant that isn't even there anymore. And, and, oh my gosh, they'd ask you everybody, every time you went there, they'd say, do you, would you like a souffle and their chocolate souffle? Holy mother. It was amazing. It was amazing. I took my mother there. She came out when my son, Jonathan was born. Both my parents did, but my mom stayed for three weeks. And so I took her there and then took her to a play as a thank you before she went home. Oh, my God. You would have thought that she had died and gone to heaven because all these old movie stars were in the restaurant at the time. Uh Debbie Reynolds, you know, Janet Leigh, all all that whole crowd. They were all together. And also Milton Berle was in there and somebody else. And my mother just, and we went to the ladies room and a bunch of those old actresses were in the ladies room and she just, Jason's was the best restaurant she ever experienced in her life. And she had a chocolate souffle as well. Uh, Yeah. That's
1: one of the first things they ask you before you order anything, because you have to allow about 40 minutes.
0: Right. So you took the cooking classes and then what happened?
1: Well, and then what happened is, um, William Sonoma approached me. I taught some classes for them and, and that was interesting because you had to do recipes around, uh, the new items or new pots and pans that they were selling. So that was a whole nother, um, Okay, well, here's a, pa- you know, it was easy when a paella pan, you make paella, you know, <laughs> but then you get a brand new type of cookie sheet. It's like, okay, well, you make all meal on one. And so that was all interesting. And then of course you would sell the products at the end of the class. And then uh, um, I was contacted by people in San Clemente and they asked me if I would be interested in building a cooking school. I said, yes, I don't know how that would happen. And they had a 3,000 square foot store on the main street in downtown San Clemente. And 1,000 square feet in front was for like a small Williams Sonova, 1,000 square feet on the other side was like interior design. And then they had 1,000 square feet starting with dirt in the back. And that's what they gave me. (laughs) So I built the cooking school, uh, used Viking equipment, and had it set up viking donated all the equipment and as long as i would allow them to come show their clients that were redoing their kitchen or building new homes that they could come and and use the equipment i said yes that was a fair deal and then i had 17 chef instructors and it was just amazing it's a great wow
0: Wow. is it true that gas works better for chefs it seems like gas is in all of the You know, the top kitchens versus the electric.
1: It is because you have a little more. It's it is about control, but it's not control about it's not immediate. Well, with gas, it's immediate control. You can turn something down immediately. It takes a few seconds or a minute or two, depending, especially with Viking and Wolf and those, because that's a lot of power Uh, with electric it's either one thing or the other. There's like, it's either hot or off. It's like, there's no middle of the road. Mm -hmm. So you have to, you can do it, but you really have to spend more time and energy on the focus of it versus the food. Yeah. Interesting.
0: I have a friend that just moved into a new home for her it's not a new house but a new home for her in florida and they don't allow gas ranges they only allow electric and she's used gas her whole life and she's a chef and so is her husband i mean not professionally but they're really good cooks and and she's just driving her nuts she said oh my gosh i just can't even
1: She'll get used to it, but it's just not the same. And we're getting, especially even up here in Northern California, the new buildings uh, are not allowing gas, not gas uh, fireplaces, not gas stoves. They're going all electric.
0: Hmm. Wow. That sounds like some marketing happening there in those areas from the electric company today. Yeah. In her book, Mastering the Art of French Cooking, Julia Child, who I love, said, cooking is an art. It requires practice and experience. The most important ingredient you can bring to it is the love of cooking for its own sake. Do you have role models who either in person or in spirit have inspired and directed you in your career? And then I'm going to tell you who two of your spirit guides are, who I can see standing behind you (laughs) as we're having this conversation. So first of all. Who are your well? Who are your role models?
1: Well, Julia Childs, of course, because she just um, was a woman. Of course, you know there's more male chefs than women, and she just went for it. She didn't, she didn't pretend to be anything she wasn't. She just went for it. And then when, when she was she on her show? She'd just slap this or slap the chicken down, and oh, whoa, whoa, you know. And, and I just was like, wow, that's amazing. And then um, because meals, breaking bread is so sacred. And so Anthony Bourdain is one that if I could uh, if I could break bread with anybody, it would be Anthony Bourdain because he was so real. He, you know and he traveled so many different countries as i did and when you sit down with people from different cultures we're all the same you know at the end of the day but everyone has a different story and and anthony brought that out in in people as well as the art and i think too that then art coming in it's also in plating like when i get ingredients um, I wake up in the middle of the night and I can see how I want them plated, and I want them set down in front of the people exactly how they're supposed to be. <laughs> yeah, in the right in the right uh, direction too, exactly. right? Yeah, with this at the
0: top and that at the bottom, and yeah, yeah. When I was when I turned forty. I had a birthday weekend with nine of my best girlfriends in New Orleans and we all flew into New Orleans and it was such a blast and it was just a food festival. And the first night we were staying in the Windsor Court Hotel and we were in their private dining room. And so there were 10 of us in the dining room and each one of us had, had our own busboy in the white dinner jacket. But for dessert, I had given them all Tiffany crystal boxes and I said, you're a gift to me. You know, you thank you for being in my life. You get to New Orleans, I'll pick up the tab on everything else. And it was so much fun. But the pastry chef there did a a replica of those Tiffany boxes. You know, you get a blue Tiffany box and you don't even care what's in there because you know it's going to be good. Yes. And she did a replica of those Tiffany boxes out of chocolate. And then it had mousse inside of it and the lid lifted off. But then on the plate, it said, you're a gift to me, love, Julie. She had written on all the plates. Those Busboys came in, they set them all down at the same time in the right position. I have never had an experience like that where it was just everybody just went, oh, my God, it was so impactful when we did that. So I know exactly what you're talking about.
1: With yes, that. It is an experience, it, yeah. You know, and and that restaurant and those servers and the chefs and the owners and everything, they are responsible for your experience. By the minute you get out of your car until the minute you go back in. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, it was such a fun weekend that for years afterwards, I'd get these birthday cards and they'd say, happy third anniversary of your 40th birthday party. (laughs) (laughs) Or <laughs> something like that, which was so fun. And that was before 9-11. So we was it, I felt like I was in a movie because somebody would fly in. We all flew into the New Orleans airport. And then we'd pick them up. And then we'd go in a group to go meet whoever was flying in next. They were coming in from all parts of the country. And it was just a blast. Uh-huh. And then one other one other fun thing about that dinner was uh at one point. One of my friends who's a psychologist overheard one of the busboys say, do you hear what those women are talking about? <laughs> there, were, <laughs> there were doctors there and a couple of nurses and God only knows. And the wine was flowing and, you know, it was just hilarious. <laughs> so much fun. And then the next night we went to Commander's Palace. And again, uh-huh. we had a private dining room there. And we got a tour of the kitchen by the head chef and a tour of the pastry kitchen, of course, which was my favorite, and a tour of their wine cellar. And so it was really fun because we got to see the behind the scenes of such a famous restaurant. And at one point for probably about 45 minutes, the head chef came up and spent that time with us in our in our private room and brought cookbooks and autographed all of them. And it it was again that experience thing is just food is food. Food can be wonderful, but I don't remember what I ate those nights. I do remember the the chocolate boxes, but I don't remember what I ate, but I certainly remember the experience
1: absolutely absolutely it's it's that feeling you felt from that experience
0: yeah and the memories that it makes too so okay julia child is one of your spirit guides by the way she's standing behind you and the other one's paul prudhomme
1: thinking oh lord yes
0: yeah oh lord you resonate with him and tell everybody about
1: i've met him a couple times and i um his seasonings You know, he he had used to have amazing seasonings and another one that just showed up. And with his energy, didn't really need to say a lot. So, yes. Oh, and thank you both.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So they were around you. So you can call them by name. Just say, hey, Julia, what do you think about this? And you'll get an answer. It'll pop in your head in a second. And. If you hear it immediately or you hear it before you're even done with the thought or done with the question, if you're asking out loud and that thought comes in midway or that answer comes in midway through the thought, you'll know that that's them talking to you. Same with Paul. And then you can just ask in general and all of your spirit guides will help you. But those two in particular, I wanted to see who showed up. In this uh, time that we're chatting and those are the two that have shown up front and center. So I thought that was pretty oh, fun. Well, I think thanks. there's an I think there's a new um, show on Netflix or HBO or one of them about Julia Child.
1: There is. It's brand new. And is it? Do you know what it's called? I don't remember what it's called, but it even talked about her because she was a spy. She. Really? Yeah, she was and maybe she'll maybe she'll come through and tell you about it um she was a spy for the was it was it the government I'm not sure but yeah she was a spy before she be trans she transitioned into cooking I just oh yeah
0: she did she her husband worked for the CIA I think that's where they met I believe yeah yeah interesting because the movie that Meryl Streep starred in yes You know, when she played Julia Child, I swear that actress can play anybody. She's amazing. Holy. That's her thing to do. Yes, absolutely. And and I have a graduate of my angelic attendant training who's a Broadway star. And she talks about, there have been several shows that she's been in where she felt like she was channeling. She played June Carter Cash in a Broadway show. And at one point she had to go out into the audience. And she said it was all ad lib and I never knew what was going to happen. And she said, I promise you, I was scared out of my mind every, every night when I did this, hoping it would go well. And I'd go out and it would be five minutes of that. And I'd come back on stage and I'd think, oh my God, what just happened? So how amazing is that? And, and I think that's what we all do when we're in the flow, they call it. It's just, I know when I was writing my book, I wrote some stuff and then I'd read it later and I think, Oh, that was pretty good. I don't remember writing it, but I know. <laughs> you know, spirit coming through me and inspiring me. So who inspires you now? That's alive. Who, who do you follow and, and, uh, you know, get ideas,
1: Where do you um, get ideas there. I don't, you know, for cooking, um, there's a gentleman and I don't remember his name, but he uh, he is on on Sunday evenings on CNN and he's traveling Italy. And I just adore him because, again, he goes he's also a chef. Um, I don't know if he's a, a chef or a, a home chef. And I just I just love him. He just tra- he goes to all these uh restaurants and he goes you know before they make something while they're making something they sit down and they're pairing again what grows together goes together and he goes in sometimes in people's homes and he's really a takeoff from Anthony Bourdain he uh and I don't remember his name but just a lovely guy and I was just I was so inspired this last Sunday I'm like oh my god I mean my heart was just pounding Say more about the, what grows together, goes together. Well, in the wine world, it's called terroir, the earth where the grapes and the vineyards are coming out of. And sometimes before that, there could have been uh, green peppers or, um, you know, it's the same soil. It's the same soil. And so you want to merge that together also the culture also all of that into one like I would never have an Italian meal and a French wine I just couldn't do it but it but when you're traveling like you're traveling you're eating Italian food you want the Italian wine that goes with it you know where if you're in northern California I mean you don't have to do this but it's just being part of the the food movement it's just it's all coming out of mother earth And sometimes in certain wines, you can taste there's a little green, green to it. There's a it's a a mineral to it. And something could have grown in the earth before they, they planted the grapes. So it's just all it's like a marriage. Interesting. Would somebody who isn't a wine
0: aficionado recognize the difference between an Italian wine and say a French wine or a wine from Northern California? Or is that a, is that a learned skill?
1: (sighs) Um, I would say it's a learned skill because I guess at the end of the day, you're still going to drink what you like, no matter where it's from. Right. And, and that you're going to eat what you like and drink what you like. But when you do start getting into more wine and food, you do start noticing like, oh, that bouquet, that. That that's that's from Napa Valley. I mean, clearly, it's a Cabernet Sauvignon from Napa Valley, or you might taste a Barolo from Italy, um, and and the French wines. Um, they're different. They're uh, where you've got you know you've got the Burgundy and, and 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 the Burgundy over there is what we call Pinot Noir here in in California or the United States. And so I I don't think they would know the difference to answer the question directly. I don't think they would know the difference. But you start learning as you go along. Well, and that's why we have experts like you that are going
0: to pair the best wines with the type of food that we're eating. And then back to that experience thing, it all ends up being an amazing experience. And you know the differences of those nuances between the different wines. Interesting. Well, speaking of wine, wine's been around, I think, since the beginning of time, and certainly it's t- talked about in all the ancient texts in the Bible, lots of other texts as well, that the, brings to mind the wedding of Cana, right? Yes. Where they, they served the wine and then they were running out of wine. And the Virgin Mary asked... Jesus to make more wine. And then they were saying, well, this is better than the wine that you served first. And usually we serve the best wine first. So what's up with that? So I guess my question about that is what's the significance of wine and why has it been talked about in literature and holy texts since the beginning of time? Does it, is the symbolism something to do with the fruit of the
1: vine? Do you have any thoughts about that? I think so too, and also um, wine is still a food. It it still comes from grapes. It's just in a liquid form. Um, And I, I believe that I was a monk in another life and worked in. Because when I get into the barrel rooms and I smell that smell and I hear the sounds, I'm home. I don't. I don't want to leave. So there is some connection there and i think as a monk i'm i made um i made wines and champagne and and cheese stuck, i'm getting in cheese too i might yeah, i might New age aged made. cheeses yeah yeah and cuz again that's all sacred and that all goes together and i think that you know then the catholics took you know you have the the bread and and the wine and so do the jews Yeah, that's right. And it all goes together. And I just think it's part of the Holy Grail. And um, I think, you know, people say the wine that the first grapes, people say, I've read where it's different. I hear Merlot more than anybody, that the wine that Jesus turned into water was Merlot and that the very first wine came from Greece. But how do we know? Hmm. Interesting. All right.
0: So I'm getting, does Lucerne, which is in France, does that have wine? Does that grow grapes? Yes. Okay. You, you were in an abbey in 1493 in Lucerne, France. And it, it would be interesting double check that, but I think that that was during the Black Plague or right after the, the Black Plague. Where two-thirds of Europe died. So there's some significance there. When you're talking, I'm getting information. I call it divine downloads. I'm getting information downloaded into my head. When you said I think I was a monk in a previous life, I got goosebumps all over my body. Yeah. Yeah, I which I
1: connected with you too. I think, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Those are I call those validation bumps. That spirit going, Yeah, you're on it. That's right." right. That's right. Interesting. Sometimes
1: I'll even have dreams or experiences where I'm I'm back someplace there in a situ- in something like that. And the room's dark, um, not in a negative way, but it's um, and sometimes I see my feet when I walk, I wear like the Birkenstock shoes. The, the Jesus sandals we used
0: to Jesus call those.
1: Sandals. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I
0: when when you were talking about making wine and making champagne, I was seeing those big rounds of cheese. Oh, okay. They're great big. Where you when you go into a cheese store, they have yeah. the great big rounds, and um, so uh, certainly France is known for their cheeses.
1: <laughs> yes, they are. Yeah, and Italy too.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. So you might have
1: been an an
0: abbess, an abbess or an a monk in several lifetimes. Yeah. So yeah. We can find that out sometime offline. Okay. We'll do that. We can do okay. that. We'll yeah. do that. All right. So I there are there are wine experts, people that that uh Present themselves as wine experts, and it's almost like it's a spiritual experience for them to drink a bottle of wine that they've been saving for years, and it's a, you know, really old wine. And they're like in the movies you see they're dusted off the, the bottle that's been being saved for decades for a special occasion. So what's the mystique around that? Do some cultures have it more than others, and is there really a difference? Between those wines that are really old, I would think some of them might be just atrocious because they're just so old. Does that happen? Do they turn like more into vinegar? And then is it intrinsic or learned? Can back to the question: can somebody really who is a lay person not schooled in this, can they tell a difference between a bottle of of really expensive fancy wine versus? Something that's new?
1: Well, I, I think that answer can go in, in a lot of different directions. But again, um, if it's right, it, the biggest thing about old wine is has it been stored correctly? Because storing, you don't want to store your wine where there, there's a lot of difference in temperature. You don't, you don't want to put it where it goes up and then it goes down and up and down because that offsets the oxygen in because oxygen is what opens up and brings the aroma out of the wine so and for the people that that haven't had a lot of wine experience if they if they taste an exceptional wine they'll have a problem ever drinking anything less when they're just starting out believe me and for the ones that the affectionados or the the industry people um it's like it's like an orgasm I mean, it's just, you can't wait, you know, for the ending and the ending is just the beginning. And so that's, you know, you have to open it correctly and you have to let it air and you have to put it in the decanter. And sometimes you have to filter it out. You don't want the sediment. Sometimes the sediment stays on the bottom. Sometimes it comes through, but it's, it's, it's a ceremony, I guess what I want to say is, is really what it is. And for some people, and even myself, I still, I do the screw tops, but I still prefer the cork because it's a ceremony, you know, and the way you've, and you have to have the right glass for the right wine.
0: (laughs) Okay. What, what about, why do we store wines on their side? Wine bottles?
1: Because, You don't want the um, air to get up to the cork. You want to keep the wine all level where it's in it, where where everything is touching each other. Otherwise it just stays down and you don't want to have that happen. And sometimes you really should even not only store it laying down, but turn it like when you're making champagne, you turn the champagne, but uh, even in big cellars, you, um, you turn the bottle. You keep the bottle flat and you turn it.
0: Does the wine get better over time or does that just depend on the batch?
1: Cabernet Sauvignon is is one of them where you should always never open a wine, a Cabernet that hasn't aged five years. Um, You can buy it young, but you really should let it um, macerate, come together and stay together for, uh, at least five years on that. the white wines, you don't age as long unless it's a really expensive old world. Yes, you do. But, um, but the red wines really, some of them, we buy them too young. Do The white wines you chill, but the red wines you don't. Is that right? Well, there's, so there's two schools on that. Some people do chill their red wine just right before they serve it. I don't, but some people do. And then you don't have to chill white wine. I prefer room temperature white wine, except for champagne. I do like that chilled. But I don't get a bucket of ice to put a white wine in.
0: Okay. Changing directions for a minute here. Chefs and inventors, winemakers, seem to be in families with multi-generations of family members that stay in the family business. And I'm always interested in entrepreneurs because I'm an entrepreneur in that, is it nurture or nature? Is it something that they learn or is it something just intrinsic? Do you know families like that? Certainly in in Napa and yes. elsewhere. And,
1: and yes. what are your thoughts on that? It's well, as for someone who's came up here wanting to pour for different wineries, it's been difficult um, to get in because they have their small family and they keep it amongst them. It's um, in some I've observed that might be even expectation that the children and the grandchildren take it over. Um, And then other ones I've observed that it's just in their DNA. You know, they may go off and go to college or they may go off. Go to college, get married, you know, do their thing, whatever it is—doctoral or in, in legal work or, or whatever. Then come back into it; they bring all that new energy back into it. So it's—I think if you're born into it, you're still always going to be connected to it. That just seems—seems seems what I have observed.
0: Interesting. I I see that in families too, in business. They'll. Uh, <laughs> I always say, well, so and so, yeah, they win the sperm lottery <laughs> because her parent started a business and then, you know, and then they're the grandchild of the one who started the business and they don't really have much business acumen, but that's what they're doing. And before long, they're running the company. And well, they uh,
1: usually live on site also, like, right. you know, there's a lot of acres And they live there. So they grow up even as a child, even I have one friend who she and her um, significant other just started a winery. And while they're making wine, they made love and they have a baby now. And the baby is strapped to her when she's doing one thing or the other while making the wine or strapped to the, um, the father while he's out doing something outside within the vineyard. And there's just something about that.
0: So they're, they're learning through osmosis the whole time, just from being in immersed in the culture and the, yes. you know, what the daily events are and all of that. Okay. When you meet somebody and you're planning like a private dinner or a big function, do you have ideas that come in and you think, oh, this, this woman is really personable. So I'm going to make, I'm going to suggest this, this, and this, and this guy is this man really is very quiet, but has a lot of presence and commands, respect. Do you automatically, does your brain go into, oh, and maybe I'll suggest this and this for him to consider? How
1: does that work? Well, sometimes it's difficult because you've got the masculine and the feminine. Um, And other times, the best thing that sort of is the saving grace is they want to take wine out of their cellars because so many people buy all the wines, they have amazing cellars, but they don't use them. They, you know, they're, so they leave the earth and, you know, their kids get to enjoy them or whatever, or they're auctioned off. And uh, so so that always helps is if they have certain wines that they want food to be paired with. So that's kind of the saving grace. But then other things like that, then I'm, I always take one or two highlights from each one and then try to marry those. So everybody's happy. And if it's, if it's what I think might be kind of a difficult situation and maybe they're entertaining clients that are important and whatnot, I'll do a pre-dinner. I'll just put this together and say, you know, is this, does this work? You could, should we tweak it here or something like that? Cause again, it's about the experience and. I, I want to have repeat business. (laughs)
0: There you go. So for those of us that are amateurs, when we're having a party, whether it be with family members and or friends, are there three things in particular that you would say would be just the basics that we can do regardless of the situation or the how fancy the occasion is that is warranting us entertain are there three things that you would recommend that we always incorporate to have a a wonderful experience in a wonderful gathering
1: are you talking about just food or the the actual total evening i think
0: i think the actual total evening
1: well uh, you well, to begin with, you want to have a beautiful table, so you want to have nice a nice linen and have some fresh flowers or if you you know what depending on what time of year you could have pomegranates or you know flowers you could have a, a you don 't want to have too large of a, a flower because you don 't want to block any um, people you know that you 're sitting across from. And if it's an evening event, an indoor event, um, of course, you would want to have some beautiful candles and then you're plating, you know, your, you use the china that you don't want to wash because you can't put it in the dishwasher. Do it. Just do it. And then again, getting advice for the wine, you know, the wine, go to the your wine store And also it's so simple to make a nice dinner. You have your your top of the line protein, a beautiful salad, and some, you know, this is basic and some kind of a starch, and that's really all you need. And you're going to have some sweet people that want a dessert and usually chocolate, chocolate or lemon, I find are the most common desserts that people like.
0: Wonderful. So I'm thinking when my teenage grandsons come over for Christmas dinner, I always have all the good china out and the sterling and all of that. They could care less yeah. about that. They're just interested in eating and, you know, and what, and, that, get. <laughs> and what they get. That's right. And they, it's all about cash now, you know, as teenagers, right. but for me, it doesn't feel right unless I do that. And my husband's even said, why don't we just eat on paper plates? And I'd say, no, we're not doing that. You know, it's Christmas. We need to use the good stuff. And where else are they going to learn this if they don't experience it here? I find that these young gals that are getting married, a lot of them don't even want China and crystal. No, they don't.
1: don't. And I just, but they're going to inherit it from all of us. They will inherit it, but they're not, still not going to use it. And it amazes me all these trophy kitchens that people have, and they still just call for reservations, you know, or they have an $8,000 espresso machine and they go to Starbucks, you know.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that's why we have people like you that can <laughs> help inspire us. And, you know, Martha Stewart, I think, God love her. She's been such an inspiration now to several generations of women. And, and, reminding us that yeah there is a finer side that really benefits everybody and it doesn't have to be really hard to, no, to do No, if you stuff. do
1: it a couple of times you know you know you know you know the fire drill you get it out of the box and you wash it or and all that kind of thing and then you don't let anybody else help you because god forbid if anybody breaks anything <laughs> yeah but it's the- tradition you know especially at christmas or a special birthday, you don't have to do it every birthday. Um, and then another fun thing too, is if you live where you have the weather is outside grilling, you know, and, and especially if you have a little bit of an outside kitchen or can create one, everybody loves to be outside and you can do it buffet. It's so much fun to do buffet. And that's another thing too, that's easy is do a buffet. You don't always have to do the family style on the table or have it served, you can do buffet.
0: Right. When I was doing the when we uh, designed our house and then I designed the gardens around it, I honestly planted certain trees and shrubs and flowers and stuff so that I could use them in arrangements and decorating. Like I have lots of magnolias, lots of pine, lots of other stuff. And I bring all that greenery in, especially at Christmas time and uh, and use it in decorating. So when I've you're it on your Instagram, it's beautiful. Thank you. When when you're designing, everybody that's listening, if you're designing a new garden or something, think about okay, what do I want to use to decorate? And it's a lot of work, but it's there's something to your point about getting something out of your own garden and bringing it in and being able to use it. And I replace those magnolia leaves because I use them in my mantle and around my fireplace. Well, if I got the fire on it, fries them. So I have to change them because they're just French (laughs) French fried magnolia leaves and branches. (laughs) Yeah, that's not good. I have a sister-in-law in in Chicago and and I always send her a big box of Southern magnolias because they're really expensive to buy them in the nurseries up there. There and I send him a send her a bunch of them and she decorates with them every year. It's one of her Christmas presents. It costs me a lot more to ship them than
1: it does to buy her a present. I know, but it's still coming from you. Yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely. We were talking before we started recording about a, a recipe that you just downloaded into your head that had to do with strawberries. And it made, it made me want to ask, is there either that recipe or something else that you could give me and I can put it in the show notes and share with everybody so they could have a a celebrity chef Missy Will recipe that will remind
1: them of this chat today. Would you be willing to do that? Sure. Um, Well, right now, this time of year, Um, is strawberries and of course I'm in California so and I live across the street from one of the very best strawberry farms that grows three different kinds of strawberries and um, I I am doing a a private chef for a a birthday uh, brunch and I'm doing a brunch charcuterie board and I have this this rosé from uh, a winemaker and just what came up for me was grilled strawberries so i'm gonna take strawberries jalapenos sweet onions cilantro did i have one more thing i have one more thing i think that's it and i'm gonna grill everything and on on my grill in a grill pan not on the grill but in the grill pan and then chop it up all fine and put a little bit of honey and Meyer lemon and a little bit of olive oil. I'm, I haven't decided the olive oil I'm going to use yet. And sea salt and white pepper. And then how are you going to serve it? It's like a chutney kind of thing? Well, I'm going to sweeten it like I, with the honey and I'm going to serve it on waffles. Oh, Ooh, because we're having rosé with it. And so that's, yeah. All
0: right. Would you be willing to share that once you perfect it? And then I'll put it in the show notes and then everybody can have a, you know, an original.
1: I think I'm I'm missing one ingredient. Yeah.
0: Well, you'll think of it before you send it to me. And then everybody can have a, you know, a, (laughs) a Missy Will recipe that she dreamed up when we were talking on this show. How fun is that? Really fun. Well, how can people learn more about you? How can they follow you? How can they get in touch with you?
1: Well, I am, my website is missywill.com. Easy. Um, My email is events at missywill.com. And those are the the two, the email right now, because I'm working on my website. I'm I'm redoing it and adding more things but still it's it's the basis. Um, but the events at missywill.com my email is the quickest and the fastest. So if
0: somebody's watching and they want to import you for a party and they're not in northern california do you
1: do you have pots and pans will travel? I have pots and pans will travel. I you know funny you would say that. I used to not go anywhere without my knives. Like I didn't want to use anybody else's knives, but mine, cause I, you know, the grip and the blade and I, you know, I sharpen them every night and put them to bed and, um, you can't do that anymore on the airlines. So, um, we'd have to work that out, <laughs> but truly if anyone has, you know, any questions or, you know, pair something just email me, i am happy to, to answer anything.
0: Oh, what a generous offer. Thank you so much. All right, everybody. What a fun show. Like I said, I like to bring in people from different industries and different careers to to see how they're using woo-woo in their everyday lives and in their business. And and what a delight to get to talk with you, Missy. Thank you for taking the time. So everybody, I'll be back next week with a regular call-in show. Sending you lots of love. From Sweet Home, Alabama, and Petaluma, California, too. See you next week. Bye. Bye. Be sure to follow Julie on Instagram and YouTube at Ask Julie Ryan and like her on Facebook at Ask Julie Ryan. To schedule an appointment or submit a question, please visit AskJulieRyan.com.